Hi, I'm Maddie, and I don't have a hobby. Hi, I'm Haley, and I have too many hobbies. And I've taken it upon myself to get Maddie hooked on just about anything. In this podcast, we're talking true crime. We're talking Enneagram. We're talking mental health. We're talking Scientology. And just about everything in between. So we're inviting you on a journey that you definitely didn't ask to be invited on. In the hopes that you too would like to be Average, average girls Average and only Average and only Hello! Welcome to Just Me. And by that I mean Maddie is coming into the frame right now. Featuring just me. That's what I thought you were going to say. What? Mm. Okay. <laughs> it always starts out with confusion. And Welcome else. back to Average But Owning It. We indeed are average and scraping by. Do we say that every uh, time? You do. <laughs> barely scraping by? Well, you just add the barely scraping by. I do agree with that every time. We are average, but we are owning it for the most part. True. Also true. Why does my head look so much bigger than yours in this frame right now? Because it is. Actually true. <laughs> You're right. My my sister used to call me George Lopez as a kid because she said my head was really big. George Lopez has a really big head. I don't know. I guess now that you say that, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I've never been told that I have a small head. What was the insult that you got as a kid that really upset you? This is not a hot take. I'm just thinking. Oh, that's a good one, though. Um, I, my sister, I lost these two teeth, like, right next to my two teeth. Mine's a sister one about my teeth, too. Really? Yeah. My sister called me Bucky. <gasps> my sister years. called me Bucktooth Beaver. <laughs> Wait, what? Yeah. yeah. I remember her getting in so much trouble one time because I went outside and cried in the front yard. Aww. And my mom came out and was like, Abigail's going to come out and apologize to you because she shouldn't have said that because I was really insecure about my teeth because you saw my teeth. They were big. <laughs> they were what I would say uh, appalling. <laughs> yeah, I lost my two teeth by my big two teeth, and my sister and my neighbor. She got a lot of people to hop on the Bucky train, so I was Bucky. For Your sister got multiple time. people to call you Bucky. Yeah, Allie. It's okay. Made me stronger. <laughs> I'm a stronger woman today because they called me Bucky as a child. Oh yeah, and then people used to call me weird all the time because oh. I was just like goofy. And then I used to be like, thank you. I take that as a compliment. Oh, my like, God. I can see it. Such a second grade thing to yeah. be like. Meanwhile, you have like you have like tennis balls under your shirt to have little boobs. And you're like yes. walking around weird. No, 100%. And I remember telling my mom, like, people keep calling me weird. <laughs> you're like, mom, I take it as a compliment. But you can no, cry. No, my mom was like, you can take it as a compliment. Like, weird people are fun. Like, stuff like that. She'd be like, you're just being silly. Like, whatever. And then she told me to take it as a compliment. So I would tell people, like. Thank you. I'm taking that as a compliment. <laughs> My mom said that you're complimenting me. <laughs> <laughs> and they're really just like, what are you doing? Oh, yeah. Did you ever say, like, as a kid, you'd be like, oh, really? <laughs> this is embarrassing. You'd be like, oh, really? Well, then ask my mom. <laughs> like, if they, like, didn't believe you yes. about something, like, oh, you did not do that this weekend. Oh, really? Well, then ask my mom. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, if they were really going to ask your mom. people would say, like, oh, well, my sister just turned 16, and so she has her driver's license. I'd be like, oh, yeah, well, my sister's 19. Like, it was such a big deal that I had an older sibling that was, like, older than everybody else's older sibling. <laughs> Did you ever see that one? I don't know if it was on Twitter or what, but it was like, oh, really? Well, my sister's a witch, and she's going to put a hex on you? Yes. And literally, my sister actively researches Wiccan things so i'm literally about to get hexes on people scared no i'm like guys be careful with me because my sister is definitely a witch oh my gosh okay for the hot take today um this one's 
I'm just interested in what you would have to say. I, I'm nervous. It's actually dumber than I thought. Oh. <laughs> I just, I just um, thought about it. Okay. <laughs> um, it's not dumb, but I feel like there might be a clear answer of what I think you would say, so it won't be that hard for you, I guess. Okay. okay. Um, would you rather be like a 15-year-old that got pregnant? God, no. Or you're, like, done having kids, mm-hmm. and you have a kid on, like, a surprise, an accident, 10 years after your youngest kid. Oh, the second one. You'd rather have a... Yes, 100%. You'd rather be, like, 42 yeah. and having a baby? Yeah. Than, like... Yeah, because I'm sacrificing my later years versus sacrificing my younger years, and I feel like I have, I have too much to do. My life would be so different if I had a kid at 15. Oh, yeah, that's true. Like, there's just absolutely no way I would have been able to do what I'm doing now. And I love that. And, okay. And, that's like, true. I, I like, thought for sure you'd say you'd rather be a teen mom for some reason. Because I want a baby. <laughs> Maybe. Well, I think, like, once you're in your, like, 40s and stuff, and, like, once your kids are starting to grow up, normally you miss having a kid anyways, even if you're not, like, yeah, I definitely want another baby right now. Like, it's not going to be ideal, but out of the two, yeah, I would definitely. Be. And how many kids do I have, though, in this situation? I don't know. Because if I have, like, five kids, I might be like, oh, God, if I'd like to have another one. But if I only had one or two, I might be like, oh. Yeah. I don't know. What would you say? I don't know. I think I would end up choosing having a kid 10 years after my youngest kid. Mm-hmm. But I also don't know. I guess I But just... we would have been crappy parents at 15, though. That would have been terrible for the kid. I would have been an awful mother at 15. I think I would have been a good mom. What? Yeah, I do. I think I would have been a good teen mom. I definitely would have had to grow up even faster than I already had to. Oh, well, yeah. I think, yeah. But I think I would have been a good mom. I think I never would have finished high school, though. No, I don't think I would have either. Yeah. I don't, I barely finished, well, <laughs> I didn't barely finish high school, but like. I barely finished high school and I barely finished college. I really? hated school. Not because of anything other than the fact that I your did first do kid? my homework. Because <laughs> huh? of your first kid that you had? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but I don't know. I think I'll end up saying that I would rather have a kid 10 years after. But I'm not opposed. I don't know. I don't know. Because I would rather be a young parent than an old parent. Yeah, that's true, I guess. But like, I don't want to be a young parent that's like so young that I don't know what I'm doing. I guess. Like, but then you're really, you're gonna be you're gonna grow up or your kid's gonna grow up and you're gonna be super close because you were so young. Yeah, but super close and I would say after mostly because I feel like I would be married mm-hmm. and like a little bit more established yeah. financially. Yeah. Um my parents would have killed me. Oh really? Oh yes. My parents absolutely would have killed me. Well, I say that, but I mean, they would have helped you, but they would have been really pissed. Yeah, yeah. I used to play out this scenario all the time for some reason. I think it's because I watched a lot of sixteen and pregnant I did and like too. Teen Mom. So I was like, all right, what's gonna happen whenever I tell my parents? As if I was having sex, I wasn't. But I was right. like, okay, whenever I, I inevitably come home pregnant, like this is what I'm gonna have to do. <laughs> but Emerson and I were laughing the other day because I had, for some reason, oh, she had said like about getting in trouble for something. Like she's like, oh, my mom finds out, or like if I did something and my mom found out. And I was like, Emerson, you're an adult woman. Like, yes, if your mom okay. finds out you're an adult, like, it doesn't matter. And then I was thinking about all the things that I act, I still think that about. I'm like, oh, my God, my mom would kill me. So then I asked my mom, like, hey, I feel like I talked about this, did I? 
uh, whatever. Um, I said like, mom, if I told you right now that I was pregnant, like I called you and told you I was pregnant, like what would you, what would you do? And she'd be like, no, I think I'd be excited. And that was the weirdest thing to me to be old enough for my mom would be excited because in my brain, she would like, want to kill me. An adult. Yeah. And you're not. 15. She was like, I'd be mad if you were like, Hey, can you take the kid so I can go off and live my life? I'd be mad about that. But sure, you wouldn't yeah. do that. That makes sense. I'd be like any parent would be. Yeah. Mad. Yeah. That's so weird. Yeah. Like, I guess not going to be mad at you. Yeah. Cause my sister had her first kid when she was 23. Mm-hmm. I'm 24. <gasps> I would have a one-year-old right now. My sister found out when she was like 22 and then had Oliver when she was 23. Oh, my God. Is that crazy? I just can't imagine. And my mom kid. was like, I think she was shocked just that it was like actually happening mm-hmm. now that my sister was like active with her boyfriend. Yeah. But she like was like, okay, we're having a baby. Like, all right. I mean, yeah, at that point, if – and I don't think she necessarily thought that my sister was, like, ready. And I don't think she would look at me and say, oh, you're ready. Yeah. But I think my mom would help. And then once my sister was actually, like, pregnant and, like, about to have the baby, she was so excited. Well, yeah, because then you get excited because yeah. then you've dealt with all of the yeah, stuff. Yeah, but I think if I would have had a kid when my sister was, like, because we're seven years apart. Mm-hmm. So my mom basically waited ten years. Oh, yeah, me. that's true, I guess. And that was hard because my sister and I didn't get close until we were both in our 20s. Yeah, I could see that being a thing. But, yeah, my sister and I weren't crazy close and we were two years apart. Yeah, that's true. But that was also because we hated each other. My sister hated Love me. you, Abigail. <laughs> now we're besties, but. We, yeah. We, okay, we, I think I would choose later, too. All right. Awesome. Love it. Go. Okay. Next thing. Uh, okay, so we're going to be doing... Were you just going to look at me until I said something? Uh, no, I was actually thinking we forgot something. Oh. And so I was waiting to see if you thought of it first, but that was stupid because <laughs> you never think of it first. Oh, yeah. Because Maddie's memory is that of a 87-year-old. So, okay. Um, so what we're going to talk about this time is another case that's near and dear to my heart a little bit, which I guess is another weird thing to say, but I have a lot of thoughts and opinions. Ooh, um, I'm excited. Yeah. Um, this one a lot of people know about if you're like into crimey stuff. Um, it's like a pretty, it was a very high profile case at the time. And sorry, I'm moving my thing. So it's not my, um, very high profile case at the time, but it was also around the time of like OJ and all of the craziness. So it was like a lot of very big high profile cases around the same time. So this didn't get like as much, granted, nothing got as much attention as OJ, but, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it was is very crazy. It's another one of those stories that is like everything looked picture perfect until everything came out in the open, and you realize that rich and famous people can still have um, lots of lots of problems. So, okay, okay. I so think rich and famous people have more the problems. most problems. Yeah, because yeah, they have access to everything, everything, um, and power and ego and yeah, and that's money. basically what this whole story is based around. Which I think is just really interesting to me, maybe because I'm broke and I don't understand it. Um, <laughs> sure. So this is in Beverly Hills. Um, I was just waiting for you to sing. Beverly Hills. Mm. That's where I want to be. What do you think they say right there? Gimme, gimme. <laughs> or I, I thought it was just a noise. Yeah, I thought it was just like a guitar, like me no no. Oh really? Yeah. Anyways. Um Beverly Hills. Um it's known as a place, especially at the time, where people have it all. Um UCLA and Princeton tennis students are wait why do I have it written like that there's Lyle Lyle and Eric who are UCLA and Princeton tennis students their parents are their parents are Hollywood executives um and they live in one of the 
mansions behind the gate in Beverly Hills. It's like beautiful. It's what everybody strives for, especially Jose Menendez, who immigrated from Cuba when he was 16 in 1959. So this is like the American dream. He's officially made it. He has been considered a bully his entire life. He is very hard to control from the time that he's a teenager, but he's very driven and he's really talented. He's like a salesman through and through. So he manages to make his way up, gets to the U.S., and he studies at Southern Illinois University where he meets a woman named Kitty. Um, she's beautiful. Red again. flag. <laughs> you mean a woman named Kitty? Kitty. Well, Is that her real name? I mean, it's probably like Catherine or something, but. Yeah, if your name's Catherine and you choose to go by Kitty. What well, the time? I just have some cool. questions. In, okay. the, in the 50s, 60s? I don't know. Kitty girl. Oh, a little kitty. (laughs) Um, So she's gorgeous. They get married in college. They move to New York after graduation. And that's where Eric and Lyle Menendez are born. Um, Kitty wanted to become an actress originally, which is like where she shared interests with Jose because he wants to be like a Hollywood executive kind of guy. Um, But she ends up getting pregnant. So she has to leave all of her dreams of becoming an actress behind. So then all of that energy from her career, what she wanted to make into her career, goes into mothering the boys. So because of that, the Menendez boil... What? <laughs> the Menendez is boiled. I, I meant to say the Menendez brothers are spoiled. That's what I, where I was going with that. Um, they're raised to be very competitive, very driven. They are the prize jewels of the family. Stop looking. I'm not reading. She's I cheated. Um, they People know them as the show dogs of the family. They're like, you guys have to look good to maintain this image. And everybody knows this. <laughs> so their dad's making it more in the Hollywood scene. Um, they're very affluent. They buy a home in Princeton, New Jersey that's over the water. It's like, wow, life looks perfect. Apparently, the parents did the kids' homework. They had to get approval for friends and girlfriends in order for them to be seen with them. Yeah. Um, apparently the boys really wanted to please their dad always. That was like main concern. He was intensely controlling. So they hated him. Like absolutely couldn't stand their dad, but still still wanted wanted to impress him. him. Um, apparently the big thing was becoming tennis stars. I guess that was the high profile thing at the time was to play tennis. And so the boys have to get scholarships. So all of their energy is spent either not even in school because they didn't do well in school, but it was, you know, their parents would do their homework. They had that part handled. They just had to be great at tennis. That's basically what they did. And they went, they have like the most expensive trainers and coaches and all of this stuff. Yeah. Um, they were told yeah, they too. needed to go to Ivy League colleges. They sometimes took limo rides to school just for the fun of it, just to show off. They were just like, that's spoiled. What? Um, and apparently Jose looked at his kids as extensions of himself, which, might I add, is a uh, very important trait in narcissism is thinking everybody's an extension of you in some way or another. Oh. So, mm-hmm. I feel like that's also a common feeling for parents, that your kids are an extension mm-hmm. of you or your family is. Yeah, I think part of it is just like a control factor. But okay. then it's whenever it becomes super maladaptive is whenever it's like my yeah. kids are – everybody looks like at my kids of, and sees me. No, they don't. They see your kids. Okay. Without having like their own individual mm-hmm. person. Yeah, because that didn't matter to him. It was like, yeah, they don't care about their own individual personhood. I yeah. care about mine. Gotcha. Um, and I think part of that might have been like a not like a cultural thing, but like he's an immigrant coming from like a really poor family in Cuba, mm-hmm. trying to like rise, like make it. Yeah, like yeah. it might have been this like inherent trait of like this idealized version of America and what it's supposed to look like mm-hmm. and how, whatever. I don't know. I, uh, nah, nah. So apparently, so Lyle's the older brother. He is not wow. Princeton material. Princeton. Jesus, what is happening to me? It's okay. Princeton material academically. But 
um, the family donated to Princeton. And so, of course, he got it anyways. Plus, he was really good at tennis. So they take him. But as soon as he starts Crazy. going, he's flunking out. And then he ends up getting suspended for plagiarism. <laughs> so uh, Jose kind of buys him out of that whole situation. But Jose is also known in the community as just being a bully, being like verbally abusive to everybody, but especially to his wife and his kids. Mm -hmm. So he's really charming with certain people when he needs to be. But other than that, he's going to like bulldoze like his way. Yeah, he just sounds like he sucks. Well, so at the same time, there's also a really expensive market for designer drugs that are in Beverly Hills. Now people are starting to manufacture designer more expensive drugs. drugs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so just like very like expensive, high quality. is in a coach bag? Um, sure. Maybe for somebody. I don't know. What is designer no. drugs? So di designer drugs is they're able to like mix certain really expensive drugs. Oh, that makes sense. That makes more sense. Yeah. <laughs> um, they so it's like you're get like you're not getting crack you're getting cocaine which is like ten times more expensive I'm and it's more everything in like a little Gucci bag <laughs> designer drugs <laughs> yeah and the fact that you said coach first so imagine like the little bag that I had as like an in seventh grade like a little little teeny yeah, tiny bag the, one. <laughs> the only or one like I could the afford one that's like multicolored yes. <laughs> I remember my mom buying me a knockoff version of that from New York once, and I was like, My mom oh my bought God. me a, a knockoff version too from New York. Yeah, flight attendants, man. They were just from that one street where everything's fake, but it looks really real. Couldn't tell you. I have no idea. I don't remember. No clue. Okay, so. As they're getting older, they're in college and into high school. They're getting super rebellious. They start doing what's called hot prowls. That's what they call them. I know. I don't like it either. So they are known to sneak into people's houses when no one's there, and they don't actually burgle anything. It's just like for the thrill because they're just bored rich kids. But eventually, as time goes That's on, the dumbest thing they, ever. I know they start to do it more often, and they eventually like they want to up the ante a little bit. So Lyle starts committing burglary. Eric, his younger brother, hears about it, wants to be like his older brother. And starts taking stuff from some of his parents' friends. So it's like, who could take more stuff? So they're clearly, like, not on an awesome path. Because they're taking after their narcissistic father. They're, like, you know. And they're bored. They're, like, yeah. they have everything they could ever want. Yeah. It's just is like, let's find something. Man, that's why I'm going to keep my kids humble. <laughs> that's why I'm not giving my kids shit. <laughs> I probably won't have that that much money. But <laughs> even if I did, I wouldn't tell my kids that I do. No. Like, I would rather have a smaller house and have money to, like, spend on, I don't know, vacation or yeah. something like that. But I would not be buying my kid, like, because they always end up like this. No, They're they bored don't. out of their mind. They yeah. have everything already. Yeah. No, I agree. Like, if you want the latest gaming system, get straight A's. No, I agree. I think, yeah, they have to work for it. Yeah. At least for something. Everything's handed to you. You yeah. just neglect When it comes to else. material things, they don't need it. Yeah. And usually that's not what makes kids happy anyways. These, these kids are miserable. Yeah. Like, okay, you're rich and you have all these fancy things and your kids flunk out of school and you miserable. have no relationship. And they hate you. Have, you. like, no relational health. Right. Anybody. Oh, absolutely not. So, and it all comes back to bite them. You'll see. So, um, they end up getting arrested after this, but Jose comes in to save his kids once again because they get out of everything. He repays the value of the stuff that was stolen, and then he apologizes for the boy and write, for the boys and writes a check. The main message from Jose whenever they got back was not even like, you shouldn't have done this. This was wrong. It was, how could you get caught? You just made me look terrible. Um, they, uh, yeah, okay. So then the same that they talked about in one of the documentaries that I watched was rich kids go to the psychiatrist, not to juvenile court. So they end up going to therapy and they don't end up getting any repercussions for their actions, which therapy can only go so far if it doesn't 
you don't have any life change at all. So like, yes, I'm going to send these kids to the psychiatrist and they still have this narcissistic dad and they were raised a certain way. Like you had no life change at all. So the family ends up moving away from Calabasas and uh, they move into Beverly Hills. So at that point they live in Calabasas, which is, am I saying that right? Calabasas? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then they move more into Beverly Hills, like the hub. Um, so the brothers themselves, Lyle and Eric, they are really close, but they say that their closeness is based off of the mutual hatred for their father. They just like, which I feel like is how all the of, one thing they bonded over. Yeah. Um, and that makes them even closer. They both admire him and they look, they say in the documentary that they look to him as the son, but they're also scared of him. Um, he has a lot of power and he uses it against them often. So, and this isn't just like the boys reporting this. There's other people that like can confirm that they saw this friends that were at the house, like other people that he worked with, stuff like that, the way that he interacted with the boys. Um, as the boys are in high school, the parents are getting more and more concerned about their spoiled kids. Lyle specifically is getting out of control and they talk about how he doesn't fear any consequences at all. So Lyle starts dating women that his parents don't approve of, which is like a big no, no. Uh, Victoria's Secret models once he's in his 20s and the parents are like heck no for some reason I guess this is like very taboo at the time like don't do that they take Lyle's credit cards away and then he would steal them and find them or take his parents cards because I mean it's connected to the same account anyway so why does he care he's just gonna take whatever he can find yeah Eric is also a disappointment in his own way he's less of a macho man than Lyle uh, but he's charming and he's cunning and determined. Eric's father constantly is getting on him and accusing him of being gay. Um, if you ask me, I think that Eric is the way cuter brother, but a lot of the time they talk about Lyle as like the really attractive ladies man kind of guy. But Eric, like he looks like he takes care of himself. Like he's very manicured, not very manicured even. Like he just, he looks like he takes care of himself. Mm-hmm. So I guess his dad was always on about being gay and would be like, oh my God, why are you wearing that? You're so gay. Like all oh this God. stuff to him and was always trying to make him feel bad. And he wasn't. Um, no, but I mean, not as far as we know, I guess. Um, Kitty is panicked about her boys, but she's also panicked about her marriage. Jose had been having an affair for eight years with a woman in New York and a woman in LA and prostitutes. So he's just busy. He's busy. Eight years. Yeah. Like an ongoing affair with her, but then also other women too at the same time. So he's cheating on everyone basically. Um, Apparently, there's zero trust in the house because of all of that, but there's also zero affection. The family is not touchy-feely. They never have quality time, very separated. They're in this huge mansion. They don't even have to see each other. Yeah. That sounds absolutely awful. Mm-hmm. Um, and they talk about how, like, Kitty really sacrificed a lot for this life that ended up just sucking, and she hated her life. Um, oh. It says her whole life and personality had been eaten up by three dominant men that were all duking it out for attention and power and authority because Jose raised them up to believe. Um, <laughs> get that bread. Keep going. Oh, okay. I thought you were gonna. Okay. Um, she loses her ability to connect with others and becomes more depressed. She's trying to keep her family together, and she's super scared, but she can't tell anybody that because she's super private. And they, at the time, it's like you don't want to tell other people that your family's falling apart. It's all about appearances. Mm-hmm. So she gets addicted to pain pills. She accidentally overdoses on Valium. People don't know if she was attempting suicide or if that was an accident. Um. The boys describe her as a suicidal alcoholic, a person in a lot of pain. Mm-hmm. Um, they saw her as someone who was abused physically and emotionally, and they say that they bonded with their mom over that, that they kind of went through that together, but she felt like she couldn't leave because, you know, she had, A, her boys and her whole life was this way, but he had all the money, all the power. He would have, like, dragged her through the mud if they would have gotten a divorce. 
Oh, that is such a paralyzing feeling. Right? I can't. Ugh. That, that like makes me never want to get married ever. The idea right? that like you could accidentally find yourself in the situation because and just be completely you know. unhappy. Yeah. Ugh. So it's the spring of 1989. Um, Jose meets with lawyers and considers taking the boys out of his will. So that's the first time that's in the talks is in the spring of 1989. Um, so then around the same time, Eric and his friend Craig start writing screenplays as like a hobby. So one of them. Much Eric better writes, than burglary but, as a hobby. I mean, yeah. By, by <laughs> a large margin, I would say. Um, one of them, Eric writes by himself and he uh, writes the entire thing from the perspective of a boy who kills his parents for the insurance money, uh, which ends up being a very haunting foreshadow to what is to come. Dun, dun, dun. Um, eventually Eric rewards the screenplay to exactly what would become the scene of the crimes that would play out later. So, um, oh, and then this is a little more information about Jose. I don't know why it's in this part, but. Apparently, the family had a ferret in the house that was attacked by one of the dogs. Ew. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I like know. a pet ferret? Yeah. A ferret got inside. No, a pet ferret. <laughs> Where would the ferret come from? I don't know. I don't know. Aren't they out, out there? I don't know. Well, yeah, that's disgusting. I think ferrets are the most, one of the most disgusting animals. I think they're creepy, too. I, they're, they're like, like horrifying. They're, the, they're a rat slinky. <laughs> I was going to say a giraffe rat. <laughs> I like rats like you. It's so gross. Oh, I had a friend. Oh, that was actually a full body reaction. I had a friend in high school whose sister had one and sometimes it would get out. Oh my God. Does this always happen? I don't know. I never had a ferret. But one time I was sitting on her couch and I remember it came out between the couch cushions. Like it oh, popped up no. and I left the house. I couldn't do it. I was like. <laughs> I would have been like. Bah. What is it called? Whack-a-mole? <laughs> <laughs> It kills it right on the spot. You just crunched its neck. Oh my god, that'd be fine. Where does its neck end? Oh my god, it's all neck. Have you guys ever seen? I'm like acting like they're here. Has our live audience ever seen an X-ray of a penguin? Like one person just gets Emerson clapping. No, have you ever seen an X-ray of a penguin? No, but I'm about to. It's literally a whole neck. Little tiny. I'm scared. X-ray of a penguin. It's so funny. <gasps> oh my god, it's just an egg. That is the most bizarre thing I've ever seen. <gasps> it looks like a it looks like a a penguin, but like it has a lampshade on its head. <laughs> yes. That's what it looks like. Oh my god, look. Tell me that's not a cup on its head. It does look like a cup on its head. Okay, so anyways. <laughs> How did we get here? I have no idea. Um, okay, so there's a ferret. That's oh. where we were. There was a ferret in their house that got out and then was attacked by one of the dogs, they thought, but they mm-hmm. couldn't really tell. They just knew it was dead. They had a black, aggressive dog. The kids opened the fridge one day and they found the dog's head was inside. Jose had cut off the dog's head because he was like pissed that I ate the ferret. And I guess he really loved it. Put it in the refrigerator? Yeah, I'm not sure why. Or the freezer? Yeah. Mm hmm. Just throw it away. I, but I think we're neglecting the big picture here. Why did you decapitate the dog? Right. But, but like, oh, 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 oh. But yeah. yeah. There's a lot going wrong in this situation. Um, he also forced Lyle to wear a toupee because he had thinning hair. Yeah. That's rude. No, he, yeah, exactly. Really Your dad rude. had to look you in the eye and say, Your hair's thinning. It's looking scarce up there, buddy. It's looking scarce. Oh, I hated that. Um, Eric um, apparently never even knew that Lyle was wearing a toupee though his entire life until like right before this whole thing takes place. Until one day he sees him taking it off 
And Eric was like, it's like, and she's the man when she's adjusting. <laughs> and the guy exactly comes over like. and he's like, you suffer from male pattern baldness. Um, apparently after he found out about the toupee, though, it leads to this big heart to heart where the boys start crying and they were like talking about how everything in their family is a lie and how they don't know truth from fiction. It ends up being this like way bigger picture moment of like, oh. I didn't even know you were wearing a toupee all these years. Like what, what, did, else what do we know? know? Yeah. Um, Eric cries and tells him that he had been abused by his father, like, their whole life. Lyle, apparently, had told his cousin whenever they were eight years old that he was also being abused by their dad. Like and sexually abused? Uh-huh, I'll get into it. Told her that he was afraid to go to sleep in his room because his dad touched him down there, was the phrase that he uses, like, an eight-year-old. So he'd sleep over there, and apparently he had phrased it, and the cousin confirms this, that they had, like, a sleepover, and he had said, like, does your dad ever come in your room and, like, do this? Because it's kind of weird, but my dad does. And she was like, no and he was like oh my dad does like whatever and then he was like don't tell anybody please don't tell anybody the boys didn't tell each other but it was happening to both of them yeah but we'll get back into that because that has plays a really major part in the rest of the story okay so our story story the basis of the story starts august 20th 1989 at 722 north elm drive i'm not sure why that address is in there but in case you want to stop by um a 911 call comes in jesus it's always a learning curve um while menendez is on the phone and you can listen to this my one call like most of them um so and says someone has killed our parents and he said who was killed and he said my mom and dad and he's obviously like screaming freaking out i'm not gonna you know do that but get super into um, <laughs> detectives come on the scene at 2 a.m and go into the living room the tv is still on jose menendez has been shot in the back of the head brain matter is on the ceiling in the windows um kitty is on the ground covered in blood now the protocol wasn't followed to a t it wasn't awesome murder weapons were actually in the boys cars at the time but no one even even bothered to look and search the cars because they were just like no they didn't do it and just moved on (laughs) interesting yeah um they're white maddie um gunshot residue is on their hands so if they would have bothered to check that they would have done that too um, Beverly Hills criminals are treated very differently, which, as one can imagine, um, because rich people lawyer up, and the cops know that. They know that everybody in this area is going to lawyer up immediately, so it's like, don't piss them off. Um, when the police ask, the brothers tell them that they were at the movies at the time, and they came back to find their parents dead. They were shot with 12-gauge shotguns. They think that it could have been a mob hit because they because the dad was um, from Cuba, but they immediately find a dead end once they start looking at like organized crime. So... That's obviously out now. Mm-hmm. So a couple weeks later, Eric tells his friend Craig. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. A couple days later, he tells his friend Craig and confesses to him that he had done it, that he and his brother had killed his parents. So uh, five weeks after the murder, the boys received $400,000 each in life insurance money. And I think that was just the first installment, I'm pretty sure, because that, that wasn't Ooh. all that they were worth. Uh, I don't know if that was like the net value like of all their assets would have added up to more. And like that was just how much they got in cash. But sure. Uh, so they take that money and they go on a spending spree. They get cars, they get watches, they get clothes. They start investing and in making like, oh, there's a restaurant that um, Lyle invested in. Like they just have so much money and they can do anything with it. So after a couple of weeks of all of this really frivolous spending, Eric goes to his psychologist and confesses um, that he had killed his parents. So it, clearly it's eating away at Eric. Yeah. He ends up uh, – the – Psychologist ends up taping the confessions and got details. He tells his girlfriend about this, and he says if anything happens to him, 
um, that she should turn that into the police. Well, she turns them into the police anyways. Oh. So that has like, that's a huge issue in itself. That psychologist shouldn't have done that, but they end up taking, she takes that to the police. The psychologist shouldn't have recorded them confessing. I don't know if he, if he shouldn't have recorded him at all, if he didn't know about it, if he did know about it and it was like, yeah, that was part of the protocol. Like some people, they record their sessions but that always has to be with permission. Oh, yeah, that's true. And so if he did it without permission, that's already illegal. But then if he, the fact that he said, like, this is where the tapes are and that she had access to them is also really legal. That's HIPAA. You can't do that. Like, Wait, if he the, was going to report it, then the he should have reported it. The girlfriend had access? I'm confused. Yeah, because he said, if anything ever happens to me, make sure that these get turned into the police. The counselor said mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. to the girlfriend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, I thought you were saying the, the son was like, if anything mm-hmm. happens to me. No. Yeah, okay, that yeah. makes way more sense. So shortly after that, the brothers are arrested. At the time, Lyle is 22 and Eric is 19. Whoa. Yeah. So everyone assumes that the motive is money because the boys went out and spent, and I'm saying the boys, but they're men, um, went out and spent all of this money. Everyone's like, oh, it's because they were pissed that their dad was going to try to take them out of the will, like a couple months before that. Oh. But the boys are admitting the fact that they did kill their parents, but they're saying that it was because of years of sexual abuse at the hands of their father, which is where all of that comes in. So... The question is, is does that change how much they're responsible for? And is it was it a desperate way for them to get out of the death penalty? Because right now they have the death penalty on the table for both of them. And so they're saying, like, it could change even if they get life in prison. It will take the death penalty off the table if they had reasonable cause. Sure. And was it because they were afraid of their dad? Was it because, you know, like, whatever. So it changes a lot. And because it would change a lot for a jury member, like, greedy kids shooting their parents because they want money versus abused kids who like find yeah, that enough. That's true. Um, okay. So this, all, a lot of this comes down to the trial, which uh, watch the footage of it because uh, it will make a lot more sense if you watch it. But um, evidence by the prosecution is about the severity of the crime. The fact that Kitty was killed as aggressively as their father was like the main reason that they're going to try to go for the death penalty because Kitty, they, I have it in here at some point, but I don't know where they find, uh, blood in the treads of her shoes so meaning she had tried to run away yeah. That's really so then sad. they're like okay that was like cruel and unnecessary like you didn't need to do that whereas like because like, she wasn't the one abusing you but right. granted the boys are saying she knew that he was abusing us all these years and she never did anything okay yeah um joe had been decapitated because of the or not joe jose I just forgot the S there. It's fine. Um, was shot in the back of the head and was so like with enough force that it decapitated him. Oh. Um, they had to reload their guns to finish Kitty off at one point. So there was time for them to like second guess it. And it was clearly premeditated anyways. Yeah. Um, That's so scary. I know. And then, uh, yeah. So they're, they're talking about premeditation. Oh. They say that the boys, um, or the boys say that they had gotten the guns ahead of time just for protection because they, uh, had told their dad that they were, that they were going to tell eventually. And so their dad had threatened them and had said, like, no, you're not going to tell anybody. And so they had gotten the guns for protection, according to the boys. Sure. Um, they are uh, – so the prosecution is sold on the idea that they're greedy rich kids, that they're about to lose their inheritance. Time is of the essence before the new will went into effect. And so on the stand, the prosecution brings up all the money that they had spent. Um and then everyone's like, okay, the defense is going to be a sham. We all know that these kids did it. We all know their motives. This is going to be a shoe in until they have the two boys get on the stand. No one is buying that they are scared of their parents because they're young, fit, good looking men. Everyone's like, yeah, right. You were scared, whatever, whatever. But when asked about the motive by the defense, Eric gets on the stand and says, 
I told Lyle and then he's like has this really long dramatic pause and if you watch it you'll see what I'm talking about and he just like can't talk and you see veins are like popping out of his forehead and they need to take a second like they can't even not go right mm-hmm. yeah um he looks and it's it was it was so sad to watch because it was like there's certain there's certain parts where you can tell that they're acting like they're really dramatizing on a part or whatever but this was just not one of those times it was just like you can't fake a reaction like that yeah. it just was so oh it was so sad um and then he finishes the sentence and he goes on and says that i told lyle that my dad had been molesting me and so at that point the court goes quiet the prosecutor sees the look on his face and knows that suddenly this is going to be a very different trial than she thought it was going to be because she mm-hmm. thought the whole thing was going to be a sham. But then she realizes like, oh, shoot, either they're really amazing liars or they're telling the truth and this is going to sway the jury. Yeah. Um, Eric tells them that he had been molested from molested from ages six to 18. He had never even told his therapist that. But there is a letter written to his cousin and his cousins had been told this whenever they were 10. So there was Lyle told them whenever he was eight and then Eric told them whenever oh, he was okay. 10. So it's two separate times. I don't know if it's two separate cousins though. They never say what their cousin's names are. Um, now his cousin remembers him telling him this and asks if it was normal. So they both did the same thing and went to the cousins and asked, but I'm assuming that it's two different cousins because one was a girl and then this one's a boy. Okay. Um, now Lyle said that his abuse began from ages six to eight. He said that his dad would have talks with him and tell him that he was going to try to teach him how men act. And this is like what men do. This is what it's like. And that's where he would Ugh. teach him and molest him. Then um, he has to go into detail on the stand. Now this part is really sad. And I'll, I'm not going to get like super graphic about it. But it's really sad. Um, they. Uh, so I guess they had prepped for this. So Lyle's on the stand. And the um, his attorney says, did you tell your brother? And he said, no. And he said, did you do something to your brother? And he said, yes. And then they pan the camera over to Eric, who is sitting in the stand watching Lyle testify. Mm-hmm. And Eric, like, he's biting on his finger, like, as he's sitting there. And all of his veins are popping out in his forehead again. And he's, like, he's, like, trying not to just, like, sob. And he, like, he's crying, but he's just, like, you can tell there's, like, so much tension in his face. And then they, like, go back to Lyle. And Lyle is the same way. Like, he can barely talk. Um, and he said, I took him out to the woods whenever I felt, I don't know, I took him out sometimes. And I took a toothbrush also, and I played with Eric in the same way, like in the same way that his dad played with him. And and I'm so sorry. And he's, like, crying as he's telling him that. So, like, he was abusing Eric because their dad was abusing them. So Eric was abused by his dad and his brother. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, and Lyle's admitting that. Like, you would not do that. Or you wouldn't just make that up. No. Like, why would if, – if you're going to make up this whole thing, why would you even make that part up? No. Yeah. You just wouldn't do that. Um, and just judging by the, like their reactions, there's just no, like, if you watch it, there's just no way they could be lying. There's just, it's just, like, I actually want to watch. Yeah. At least we can that. watch it after. Um, cause it was, it was so sad. So, um, the boys do go on to say that they were also abused by Kitty. They were known to sleep with their mom. Um, and they tried to say that they were forced to touch her too. And that was part of the reason why. That part, I don't know, because that part, they didn't go into as much detail. And they I think that they just needed a reason as to why they needed to kill Kitty, too. Sure. Instead of just, like, being pissed at her because she let the abuse happen, which I think is reason enough. Not, like, reason enough to kill her, but, like, yeah, I almost can understand. Yeah. Um, so, after all of this happens, jury goes out to deliberate, and there's a mistrial because the jury is completely deadlocked. 
seven women and five men are on the jury. And after deliberating for 25 days, they have to move on to round two because they can't decide. Ooh. Yeah. Which is totally not what the prosecution thought was going to happen. They thought it was going to be slam dunk. Yeah. So the next time, the next go around for the next trial, no cameras are around, allowed in the courtroom because it, it kind of gave it away. Cause it was like, once you saw it, it just, it just was too much. So certain defense evidence is not allowed, including family history this time. So they don't, all of the abuse stuff that was like nail in the coffin, they don't even let in there because they're saying like, it doesn't matter, which doesn't make sense to me because motive matters. Motive for sure matters. Duh. And because that's like, it's getting rid of the one thing they have that works in their favor where the other thing that's on the table as motive is their greed. And that already like it sinks the ship. Yeah. Cause if you're just looking at that and not considering the other factors, then yeah, it looks terrible for them. But like, there's not, it's not just one thing. Yeah. So jurors later say that if they had heard the family history that they would have, they would have never voted guilty for both of the boys. But um, this was also around the time when OJ was acquitted and so people in the just in the country that are like fixated on these crimes and stuff are like there's public outrage of like we can't have another hung jury there's no justice like for rich people so they're probably like they think that that really played into the fact that they later ended up convicting both men with uh first degree murder charges so um both of these guys are still in prison today um eric is married now after marrying a woman who wrote him letters for a few years yeah um, and they're, like, both really good-looking guys. Um, Lyle got married, then got divorced after a year, and is now married again to another pen pal who he has been with for 13 years now. 13 years. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, Eric and Lyle were in the same prison for a couple of years, but they've been separated since then. They have, like, an – I don't remember if it's Sudoku or if it's, like, a crossword or something that they have going back and forth. Like, every couple of months they get each other's letters. It's really sad. Sudoku? Yeah, I think. We said Sudoku. I've heard – it's both. Oh, really? Yeah. Sudoku, Sudoku. I always heard Sudoku. Oh. I don't know if there's a right layer. I don't know. Um, so, yeah, that is the story of the Menendez That's crazy. brothers. There's a um, Hulu special on it, too. So part of this is from the Hulu special, but there's a bunch of other stuff that you can watch on it. But, um, yeah, I believe them whenever it comes to the abuse from their dad. Abuse. Not necessarily about their mom. Do I think that it's awesome that they killed their parents? No. But does it sound like Jose was a real son of a bitch? Yes. So. What do you think? Um, I I would love to watch and see for myself their reactions. I think you cry. Really? I cried. Oof. Yeah, here. It's just... It's tough, those situations. Because... Well, is that them now? Yeah, I'm going to look at their... Oh, here's their older pictures here. This was around the time of the murders. Aww. It's just sad because I feel like so they got robbed of a lot because of, you know, they could have had these lives. Granted, it could have ended up being terrible just because of the abuse from their parents or from their dad. Yeah. It's just sad in situations like that when you don't see a way out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Aww. I know. I'm sad. Actually, now that I'm looking at it, I might be the cuter brother. That's Eric. Well, I'm sad. Aw, I don't like... This one's sad. Well, all the crime ones are usually sad. Yeah, I guess... Th- I think that's why I like the unsolved ones. They don't scare me as much, and, like... But they did scare you more. You always say they scare you more. 
I do? Yeah, I think they scare you more, but they're not as sad. Because these yeah. are like, this is as oh, final yeah, as it gets. Yeah, you're right. You're right. They do scare me more because no one knows what happens or like if those people are still out there. Yeah. But these ones are sad because it is so final. Yeah. It's just like, okay, this is a story and that's all there is to it. It was just a bad thing. Death is scary. Murder is scary. Death and murder are scary. And that's why we talk about it. Ugh. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. okay. Bye. Bye. Average and only.